G'day, Darren Mitchell here. Welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast, another fantastic interview you're about to listen to. I'm speaking with Joe Ingram, who is the CEO of Ingram Interactive. He is a 30-year sales innovator with over, get this, $1.7 billion in sales. An absolute genius when it comes to sales. We actually talk about unleashing the sales genius, uh, and it is not as complicated as perhaps some might think. So strap in, there's a fantastic conversation coming your way. If you want to know more about Joe, please check out the show notes. And uh, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. This is Darren Mitchell and a very warm welcome from all the way from uh, Irvine, California, Mr. Joe Ingram, sales genius, dare I say. How are you, my friend? Yes, thank you, Darren. You know, it takes a lot of gumption to say I'm the genius, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) People always say, that's pretty uh, ballsy. I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I said yeah, it was a nickname it, given to me, and I just ran with it. Come on, let's play well, with it's, it. It's interesting you say that. There's a guy that I, I follow out of the States called Sam Crowley, and he runs a podcast, Everyday Saturday Podcast. And I think for nearly 20 years, he's been talking about he is the number one motivational podcast on the planet. Okay, <laughs> nice. And he said, hey, you say it often enough, it becomes true. It becomes right. your identity. So why not? Right, exactly. Keep doing it. Keep look. I I got the license plate for the car, so at least in California, no one can challenge me. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, However, we're going to delve into sales and sales leadership and lots of universal principles around sales. But I think the word sales genius sort of befits because if you look back into your background, thirty odd years in sales in terms of a a sales innovator, over one point seven billion dollars worth of sales. So, um, hey. I think the numbers speak for themselves. So we're gonna we're gonna talk all things sales as we've talked about before we jumped into the record button. We have no idea where this is gonna head, but we know that whatever messages come out, it's gonna resonate with people. It's gonna be an adventure. That's all we know. It's an adventure. Absolutely. And when you think of most sales interactions and most sales processes, it's um not always as structured as perhaps people like to think, and it's not as easy as people like to think. We do have to flex our style and be adaptable, don't we? We do. And I mean, if you think about it, you give every salesperson a script as their manager, none of them are reading it. Right. <laughs> I, I had I had a, a prospective client reach out to me the other day and goes, OK, so of all your clients that you have, which one is going to be spot on perfect to the way you train? And I said, none of them. And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, every every salesperson, by definition, is going to try to make every process more themselves, even to their own detriment. Yeah. And I said, so, I mean, we can go after that. I said, you'll find, you'll hear the cues. You'll hear the things that I train them. You'll see the process flows, but I can't guarantee you they're going to say exactly what I wanted to say when they do, right? If that was the case, they wouldn't be salespeople. They'd be customer service reps. That's it. Right. Or or they'd be robots. I'm with that on the AI thing. Because the thing is, at the end of the day, we have we're dealing with people. We're dealing with people who are unpredictable. And even though people can become 
predictably or unpredictably predictable or whatever it is, predictably unpredictable, whatever the case might be. Right. If you I predicted scripts, you were going to say that. Yeah, that's right. Exactly <laughs> right. It was in the algorithm. Um, it's It all comes down to it's not what you say. You need to have a process and you need to be adaptable based on what's in front of you and use the utilization of what is being said or what the circumstances are because you might start out with a certain um, intention but through that conversation, you may actually unleash or un unveil something even bigger. And if you're wedded to a script, you're going to miss that. You're going to say, oh, I've got to say this because they've said that. So it's not going to work. See, I, it, I'm going to tell you, as sales leadership, what I do is I ask the customer for their cell phone number and I text them a picture of my script so they can follow along with me. And so they don't actually... <laughs> <laughs> for those that can't see we're being facetious we are yeah. absolutely you know what sir you keep asking me questions that aren't on my script can i just text it to you <laughs> and that way you can follow along with me it'll be much faster and yeah, so after i say this you're meant to say that and then when you say that right. i'll say this and at the end of it we're going to be happy walk away we'll have a deal exactly here's a list of the rebuttals i've been trained on <laughs> so feel free to ask one of the four questions and then I will I will help you. My manager said number five and six will work next week. So <laughs> if you want to call back with one of those, we can tackle it then. Absolutely. So Joe, um, a great start to this conversation. As we said, we don't know whether it's going to go, where it's going to yeah. go, what direction, but that's fine. Uh, CEO of Ingram Interactive, and you've been in this business for well a number of years. Um, yeah. What 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 got you into this particular? Um, sort of industry and what is it about sales that really intrigued you to the point now where you spend a lot of time training and coaching and mentoring sales people but also sales leaders yeah so um to me what what I, so i'm an electrical engineer by degree so that says you shouldn't be in sales and you shouldn't have much of a personality and so <laughs> but I, I was the the one in the engineering crew that they would be like, could you sit down and shut up? And I'm like, I'm done. And they're like, they're like, you're done with what? I'm like, the project that we just started and this and that. And they're like, then why don't you help somebody else? I go, that's what I'm doing. But evidently I do it too loud for you. And so I moved into management really quickly. And so when you move into management, you become a little bit more disconnected to what is actually going on. And then, so for me, I've always had to put myself back into it. But when I, I left engineering, I went to work at a criminal defense law firm because, you know, that's a logical step, right? Well, Every, everybody knows that. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Without a law degree, I'm working there. But they hired me just based off of personality and my ability to build a team based on looking at my resume. And I was like, that's great. I went in, built up a team, but it was in the sales department. And the owner of the law firm told me, I know you're used to salary. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to guarantee your salary next month at this amount, which was what we had agreed on. And he said, yeah. I'm also going to put you into the normal performance pay plan for this position. And so whatever's greater, I'll pay you. And you decide at the end of that month, which way you want to go from there. And so I almost doubled my salary based off the results, which shocked him as well as shocked me. Yeah. And at that point in time, I said, I want to be paid off of my efforts Okay. And my results. Yeah. And that's when at that point in time, my love for sales just blew up. And I was like, yes, I, sales is something great. I love it. It's not difficult. We tend to make it harder than we need to, but that's because we believe we need to sound fancier than we need to be. And then 
it throws us off in the wrong direction. And that's where I look. And I was like, great. I love it. I went in. Um, I make sure I am on the phone with people. One of the things is whatever company or industry I'm training in, I'm not that sales trainer because I had a partner like that who'd yeah. walk in and go, you know what you should do? You should do this. And then the the rep who's sitting there goes, can you grab the next call or the gra next grab the email, whatever you want to talk to the next client and help me? Yeah. And he, he'd say, I'm the trainer. I don't do the job. You do it. <laughs> right? And so whenever I would walk in after that trainer and take it and I'm like, have you thought of saying this and this? And they're like, why you want to do it? I'm like, give me your headset. I'll take the next call. Yeah. They're like, what? What? I mean, I got a whole room of people going, what? We've been listening to your partner all the time saying, shut up. I'm teaching. I don't have to do it. And I was like, wow, no. They, what respect do you get as a leader if your answer is, I can't do what you do, right? And, yeah. and it's that. But again, what is your job? If you're a sales leader, everybody underneath you in the sales department, you should know their job and be able to do that job. Absolutely. Right? Because why? It's going to mean I'm not so dependent upon you that you get to hold a gun to my head about whatever it is we go on and go, well, maybe I'll take tomorrow off. What are you going to do? I'm like, yeah. go for it. I'll do your job too. Right. And then they're like, what? And so again, I'd never be held mercy to, to my staff. And I would much rather build a team of people that want to work together. And so that may be a great way to go. I will put a bullet in the top performer if they're cancer. Yeah. Right. right. Well, that, there's a couple of interesting things there. The first one is, and hold that thought about the toxic culture, because I want to delve on that. Let me just write that down. The other I one do. was the sales leader who is prepared to roll their sleeves up and do what is required. Yeah. Um, I, I come from an industry where once you get into a sales leadership role, you're no longer, you know, carrying the bag per se. You're there to lead, mentor, coach, manage upwards, all that sort of stuff. And one of the challenges that I find with a lot of sales leaders who are promoted, and maybe you've got a different slant on this because you went from an electrical engineer into sales to a law firm, which is quite different. Um, a lot of people can't let go of the hunt of the sale. And through the process, they almost um, disintermediate their sales team by doing the deals and creating like this impression in the eyes of the customer that if you want the deal done, you come to me. Yeah. Um, and so that that's there's a fine line, I think. I'd love your take on that because there's a fine line between, hey, I'm prepared to do what's necessary to get the deal for the organization and to serve the customer. But at the same time, I've sort of got to protect the relationship that I want my account manager or my salesperson to own and be responsible and accountable for that relationship moving forward. Right. What's your what's your take well, on that? So so my answer is this: we're not there as sales leadership to neuter our salespeople. Right? We're not going to go in there and just cut them off and say, I'm sorry, you're out of it. Anytime you are called in, you are called in as what? To help save or help move forward. Yeah. And then again, if they have a relationship with the salesperson, you're going to introduce me by edifying me, telling them this. I need you to transfer me what they have for you already. Mm. So when I walk in, I'm not walking in cold going, hi, I'm a stranger. I was just out on the street and I came in and said, I think I can do this better. And so, and never, ever put your salesperson down. So like, I hated the the person who came in and goes, so he doing a good job for you. Did he go over your needs assessment? Did he? And you're like, are you kidding me right now? You just walked in and you're like, oh yeah, 
good kid. He's such a good kid. Yeah. All right. It's time for the adults to talk. Yeah. Right. Shame on you. Shame on you. Right. Again, our job as sales leaderships is to build up that person. I am completely okay if I invest into somebody who wants to take my job. Yes. Where most salespeople are scared of somebody underneath them, right? I, I always assign letters to these people. And yeah. I go, you have an A player, a B player, yeah. and a C player, right? If you have Ds and Fs, shame on you. Shouldn't even have Cs. Yeah. But you have an A player, an A player will hire another A player, yeah. will work with another A player. A B will only hire a C. Yeah. Right. And everybody does somebody down. And then that means I have to go and grab that D player and hope to get him to a C. Mm -hmm. No, I want to be, I want to be fine as a manager. I want to be fine tuning the A players, right? Stop and look and say to yourself, if I got 10% increase from each one of my guys, which one is the biggest increase? I guarantee you it's not your bottom guy. And all of sales leadership says, go to the bottom guy, make them better and go up. I'm like, no, no, no. They get to shadow and mentor the ones I'm helping, which a 10% increase on the guy who's producing hundred grand a month in sales picks me up a lot more than the guy who's doing 10 grand in sales. And That's I'm it. like, Woo, we got an extra thousand. No, right? That's what group trainings are for. And that's what it, but if you're doing it, but you should never cut the legs out of out from underneath your guy. You should never belittle them that's there because your need to be right or to be the one that closes the deal is what will keep your team small, yeah. right? Because they're all going to leave. And if you work in a big company, okay, they're going to the other manager's team. Yes. And they'll flourish there with that individual yeah. because that individual doesn't need to belittle them to try to lift themselves up. Yeah. And too many times we need to. And again, I've had this experience. I've had it where I was the a-hole manager that was there, right? Because I had an owner that said, oh, do you want to go in and uh, help close that deal for so-and-so? We already sent two guys in. They couldn't do it. And then he goes, <laughs> never mind. That's not what you do. You're better at administrating and managing the team. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Give me the file. Give me yeah. this thing. Walk out there, close the deal. Come back in and go, we're done. Wrap it up with this, right? And then he's like, oh, really? Take this one. And now we're going to go talk to all these different... I, I closed like five deals in one night yeah. and put 50 grand on the board that wasn't going to be there because they were going to let these prospects leave. They were going to let the prospects say no and accept it. And so when I went out there and did all this, he was like, oh, my goodness. And then I turned into that total jerk, right? Because when the when the closers that were supposed to be out there closing and leading and managing their team, they were there. And I was like, oh, man, what the heck's wrong with you, dude? Right? Yeah. As soon as the guy walks in the office, I go, hold on, hold on. Let me close the door because you couldn't even close that, too. Right. And I'll go <laughs> close the door for them. And then they're like, what? Shut up. And I was making all these comments. And then on the I, I was carpooling with the owner and the owner says, what is this side of you? I love it. And I'm like, I hate this side of me. I love closing deals. I just hate that when my ego gets so inflated, I'm going to cut other people down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. I felt bad that night. I came back the next day, put them all in a room, apologized to them. Yeah. And said, I'm sorry, when I get in the zone, I lose track. Yeah. I said, it'll never happen again. But let's go over each one of the deals I closed and how I got around that. Yeah. 
And so then what I had was the two closers and the other manager that couldn't get it done. They now got educated on what I did, which means I had to do less of the closing, but I will always grab a lead. I'll always grab a prospect. I will grab something that's coming in a phone pop. I always stay in tune with what is going on. And a lot of times as a sales manager and a leader, you're afraid to do that. Cause what if you fail? Exactly right. Right. And my answer is, so you failed. Don't you tell your guys going, you're not going to win them all. Yeah. And so I, I'll pick it up and laugh with you and go, oh man, did I butcher that one? Right. <laughs> and they're going to be like, they're going to be like, wow, you said, yeah, you can't. I'm like, you can't win every one of them. No. It's not going to work. No. Right. There's times that people don't want to buy. Yeah. Right. There are people that are legit just getting information. Yeah. So they can make a decision later. But are you worth talking to later is what you have to ask yourself. And if all you're doing is going close, 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 because my manager is going to beat me up if I don't. Yeah. Right. And I'm not saying you guys go run back and go, um, Joe said on Darren's show that I don't have to sell now. That's not what I said. <laughs> That's not what I said. We're always selling. We're always right. selling. You're going to have to sell. You need to sell and you need to set yourself up to sell later if yes. you're not selling right now. And that's, yes. again, what is what is management teaching you, right? And, and keep it the, simple. Yeah, I think that the key point that you make there is you've got to be really conscious of not disintermediating or, or segregating your sales team because it would have been easy for you to come in and say, hey, we've got these deals. We've just closed 50 grand that wasn't there yesterday. How good am I? Thanks very much. And I can now become the sales superstar. And in the right. process, you say, "Well, these guys, what's wrong with them, right?" And they have a, a drop in, a drop in um, engagement, all that sort of stuff. But the fact that you actually got them into a room the next day and say, "Let's analyze these one by one," and do a bit of a deep dive in terms of what, because that's that's probably the start of your sales education training right. business, right? Yeah. So well, let's. It was definitely sitting back and saying, "I again, I don't have to be the best in the room." Mm. I have to be able to manage the best. Yes. Okay. So if yes. I can manage the best and do what they do, yeah. Right. I don't have to have the highest closing percentage to be the best leader. Yeah. But I do have to have a closing percentage. Get with it. What right. You, you can't you can't have a guy who's never sold go be an effective leader for the sales department because he read a bunch of books. Correct. Right. And it's not going to lead him that way. But which which then sort of pivots to um, the toxicity, but also you mentioned the A, B, C, and D type players and um, how we actually focus on those because there are a lot of sales leaders out there that that like to, I don't know, whether it's ego or status or whatever the case might be, elevate themselves as being the, the leader, the guru. Right. And therefore, they'll go and attract people or they'll bring in people to their team that are not as quite as capable or as good or as good a closer as they because it actually strokes their ego because they then become the rescuer, the saver and stuff like that. Right. You talk about the importance of having A players and building up A players because in my, in my training, in my coaching and stuff, I always talk to sales leaders and say your role fundamentally is to work yourself out of a job so you become redundant because you've got so many great people who are going to carry the baton forward that the business is going to be in very good hands but it means that you'll be given opportunities elsewhere, probably in that business or maybe in the marketplace because it's a very, very marketable commodity. So just sure. talk about your, I guess, your philosophy around the ABC, but also weave in, I guess, the toxicity, toxicity because I'm sure you've seen it as I have 
lot of great salespeople that are fantastic at the numbers, but they're not ethical. Um, they maybe do some dodgy stuff. They they may be toxic around the culture. How do we deal with those? Because a lot of businesses might look at the sales team and say, you know what, Joe's the number one salesperson, so I'm just purely looking at his numbers, but they don't necessarily look at the undertone of the culture and, and what's going to happen in the future if we don't deal with some of this behavior. Correct. And the easiest way to get rid of good people is to tolerate the bad ones because it, it nothing demotivates you more than watching somebody who breaks the rules and gets rewarded for it. Yeah. Okay, that's there. And and I'll go back one step when it comes to it. Most managers close more because they give themselves the ability to play with the pricing yes. that they didn't give to the rep. And you come in and go, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you discounted 15%. You told me the most we can go is five. <laughs> They're like, shut up. I closed it. Right. Let's just count this as a win for me. That's been privilege. Yeah. So um, when it, when you look at your employees, as you sit down and you go, here's my team, production is a big part of what is their value to the team and are they an A player? I also look at, so I go, here's production, but I'm also going to look almost as big of a piece is going to be um, their personal contribution to the team. And when I look at that and say, what is it they're doing? Because there's a lone wolf right? Mentality where I go in, I sell, and I don't care about the rest of you. Mm. Okay. That's fine. That doesn't hurt my team. Right. So I will say the lone wolf, leave them alone. Right. Walk up every once in a while and go, Hey, good job. And he's like, I know I'm doing my job. Leave me alone. Right. And he goes through. So, but I look at it and go, what is it you're contributing to the team? Who are yeah. you investing in? Right. You know, the court jester that's in there who can make a sale every once in a while, but keeps everybody laughing and distracted. Not the guy I want on the team. Yeah. Right. How do I coach him to say, if you did more phone calls, if you took more leads, if you actually set up more in-face interviews with these people, you would actually sell more. And it's not about entertaining other people. Go be a stand-up comedian. Mm. Okay. But you're going to end up with all these people and learn how to manage them up. But I I call there's usually the is person, right? Well, if it's going to happen, it's me, right? Is is all about me, is, is, is. And I'm like, okay, that's my toxic person. That's the individual that is. IS stands for internal saboteur. So my success, <laughs> right? My success is dependent on me blowing deals for other people yeah. or keeping them distracted. It's yeah. easy. I, I tell people all the time. So where are you at? And they're like, well, the quota is, you know, 50 grand for the month in sales. And I'm like, okay, where are you at? Well, I'm the top guy at 30. I'm sorry, what? I'm the top guy at 30, but quota is 50. Yeah, you're the top guy. So you're the cream of the crap. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're the top of the bottom or the bottom of the top, right? That's what you're trying to tell me. I need you to be the top of the top. I want the guy who's going, I'm at 70 grand. That's where I look at. Will I be more lenient with that individual? Yes, but I will not be dismissive of everything that they do wrong. Yeah. Because, and in most people don't understand this. Well, if I blow out the top guy, then I lose that 70,000 and I'm trying to count on 50 grand a month from each person. Yeah. Okay? But my answer is no, that internal saboteur that is only doing it for themselves and hates everybody else and distracts them and keeps them and knows the, the worse I get them to do, the better I look 
the deals are he's costing you more than what he's bringing in mm. right typically somewhere around two and a half times based on everything that i've tracked on these people when i blow them out yeah and say i can't hand it because you hurt the team too much and i can't live off of one guy mm. right if it's me and a top guy we're failing Right. My team has to do well and we have to be moving everybody up. Yeah. I tell everybody that I, I break all the teams down into thirds and I apologize. I'm all over the place. That's how my brain That's works. Right. right? So there's a, there's, so if you got nine people, there's three in the top, three in the mid, three in the bottom. Yeah. I tell the three in the bottom, say, if you're in the bottom three, three months in a row, you're gone. Yeah. You have 90 days to get yourself out. Cause I'll bring in a new hire. Yeah. And a new hire will do what I tell them to do and end up taking one of the top third people and yeah. pushes everybody down. Okay. Until they, till they get to 90 days and realize they know it all and change everything over and end up starting to fall. <laughs> that, one, that one, that one hit wonder thing. Right. But I look at those individuals and I'm pushing them to get better. When I have the top and the bottom within 10% of each other, that's when I say everybody's safe. Yeah. Okay. Otherwise I'm, I'm looking to cut from the bottom, hire in new people and take chances because yeah. I've given you 90 days to get yourself out of that. Yeah. So moving forward, but I will, I will pick up, pick up deals from the morale boost of blowing out the internal saboteur. Right. I, I will get, I will get more production out of that action than anything else I could do. Because it says it says that the sales culture, a culture of exceptional performance and standards, is much more important than the numbers at all costs. Right. And 100%. and when you talk about the third, 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 a lot of sales leaders will spend a lot of time trying to push up the bottom third, and all their time will be spent trying to. Sometimes it's like flogging a dead horse, and we think, well, if I spend my time on the bottom third or the mid third, they'll become top performers. But when I'm spending time there, I'm neglecting the high performers. And potentially they're saying, hang on, I'm doing this fantastic job for the team. I'm not getting any mind space from my manager. Yep. What am I going to do? I might start, unless they're really, really self-motivated, they might self start to plateau and you have a bigger problem. Well, again... If I'm self-motivated and I'm doing everything without the help of my manager, how long before I go to my manager's manager and explain how I don't even need this guy? Yeah. Right? And then we all said, out of nowhere, I don't even understand what happened. Well, what happened was you didn't you didn't cater to the guys that are delivering the results. Mm. Okay? When my whole team delivers results, then I have an issue of trying to go, how do I praise everybody all the time? Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. But remember, when was the last time you had that situation? You haven't, no. okay? Because their internal drive is to beat the other person. Yes. Right? And it's all about the fun of competing, not at the expense of the other person. Yeah. Where the saboteur will make sure that an email goes out that sours your deal, right? That And he goes, oh, did I send it to your guy by mistake? Oops. Did I mention a price discount while you were on the phone with that guy? And he heard me in the background and now thinks you're lying to him and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that kind of stuff, it, it just doesn't work. But yeah, again, really. I will tell you, what usually happens is I will people go in, and I see this in every industry, they go in and go, you're a top sales guy. You know what will benefit the company? If you managed all the other guys to be as good as you. But understand, not going to train you how to manage. 
What I'm going to do is promote you. So all the people you thought were your friends now answer to you. Now they don't like you because you're the man. That's right. And you're in charge. And so now you are going to be in an uphill battle because you have to sell them to work for you when you should be helping them to sell the clients. And again, it hurts, but we don't invest in the people the right way. And you know why? Because the sales manager of that manager, that's how it happened to him. And he had to sink or swim. And his answer was, well, they'll do the same thing as me. And I'm like, can't we make it easier? Well, it's and that's that's why people like you and I will always be around because yeah. a lot of people don't get that transition plan. And leadership is is in many cases requiring a, a completely different set of principles and, and attitudes and behaviors than an individual contributor. So it's easy to say, well, you're the, you're the fantastic number one salesperson, Joe. We're going to elevate you to sales leader. You go and teach your team how you're successful, but at the same time, keep up these numbers. So what's Joe going to do? Well, you're going to make sure that the numbers get taken care of come hell or high water. Yeah, exactly. But so one of the the funniest things I've heard from a CFO actually, right, was that the the sales manager comes up and says, hey, um, I want to spend money on sales training for my team, right? And the CFO looks at him and says, that's your job is to train them. And his answer is, I know, but I need somebody else to come in and train them. And I, I it's a concept I call parent deaf. Right. Or you can't hear your parents' advice. You have to hear your best friend's parents' advice and say, don't stick the fork in the light socket. Right. And you're like, guess what Billy's mom said? I shouldn't do that. And your mom's going to go smack you with the fork and say, I've been telling you that for years. Why do you think I always chase you away from the outlets? But looking at it, the the CFO goes, no, that's that's uh, that's your job. You go train up. And then the CFO tells the CEO and goes, yeah. Darren came in and said he wanted to pay for outside training for these people. And the CEO goes, well, would it help us? Would it benefit us? And the CFO goes, but what if we go train and invest in all these people and they leave? (laughs) Think about how much money we lost. And then the CEO looked and said, what if we don't train and invest in them and they stay? (laughs) Right? (laughs) And you're like, exactly. You've got people that are capped out at the most they can do. And again, they can't hear you all the time. But what happens? Okay, Darren, I can sit down and go, give me 10 things that a sales leader should do. And I'll sit here and write down 10 things a sales leader should do. And guess what? We're going to have over half of them be the same, even if we haven't talked. Yeah. Right? Fundamental universal principles are there. Yeah. But you can say it to a whole bunch of people all the time. And then you bring in somebody outside who says the same thing, but because they resonate with them better, yeah, they hear it. Mm. And then the sales manager is going to get mad because I've already been telling you that forever. And they spend <laughs> the whole training going, that's what I told you. Remember last week? I told you that. Do you remember this? Do you remember this? Do you remember this? And they potentially become a saboteur to use the training. They become my internal saboteur in the middle of the training. And I'm like, and understand, and I, I tell them all the time, you realize I will be telling them just like your manager has told you before, just like this before, right? And again, most people view management as something painful or the training has to be painful, not how much fun can we make it yeah, so that people actually enjoy it. Yeah. Because if you're having fun, you must not be doing something right. That's what it. This is a, this is a serious business. Right. And I'm like it's a serious business where we deal with no more than we get yeses 
and you want me to stay miserable and during the time I get the yeses? Come on. <laughs> Come on. So I, I do want to talk about some of these universal principles, but before I do that, um, I know one of the, the key uh, things that you focus on a lot is turning average into unrivaled. And it's the, I think it's called the Ingram Effective. Or the Ingram, <laughs> Ingram Effect. Effect. Ingram yeah. Effect. Yeah, because um, it probably it probably t- um, tails on to what we were just talking about in terms of the bottom third, mid third, and and top, right? So, right. thinking about how do we how do we unleash the sales genius? So, how do we get people to um, to embrace some of these core principles that uh, are universal? Um, yeah. But what are what what is? How would you describe the Ingram effect in terms of how do we take and can we take? This is probably a better question. Can we take somebody who is average? and turn them into unrivaled. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, but you're going to have to look at it. If if I'm dealing with average, who's content with being average, right? I I can't push them. If somebody goes until their belly's full and then says, I don't want to go get any more food and I'll wait till I'm hungry again to go, go, go hunt for food. Right. They don't, they'll never build up a store. They'll never build up the, the freezer full kind of thing so that's where i look at it and go guys i need to find somebody who's hungry so you hire for attitude teach the skill mm. okay so hire for the smile and then teach what you need <laughs> so I, I i can't you can't give someone attitude no you can't give somebody drive and determination that's where we fail in sales mm. right in sales leadership what we fail as is we think if i make it harder for them to fail then they won't fail. No, they just leave. Yeah. Right? They literally leave. And so when I go sit with a with a group, I have to make sure you understand everything we're talking about, everything that is going to lead you to success, right? And so I go, look, there's four things we got to do with every prospect. It's like, listen, believe and buy. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like, listen, believe and buy. If they like you, they will start to listen to you. As they listen to what you're saying, they'll like you more and they play between those two, right? Then they get to the point of saying, you've said enough things that are true that I'm going to believe you when you say something. Mm. So, and you know what? We all feel it in the gut. Yeah. So right now you're, you're nodding going, yep, I believe you. This is, this is true. Joe's not lying. He's coming in, but we have this little guard gate, right? With a little guard sitting up in your head. That's waiting to put that like a inside your parking garage that's going, nope, give me your ticket, give me your ticket, right? And so as we sit here, go back and forth, and I go, because you know, two plus two is five. Bam, did you hear the gate come down? Did you hear that guy slam the gate down and go, whoa, whoa, what's going on? And then I can tell you, I did that on purpose to hear the gate. Yeah. And now the guy goes, okay, raise it up. He must be telling the truth again. Because I've given enough in here that has resonated as true. So that's where believe comes from, is that I'm listening to you, talking with you and we're doing the like listen believe and buy the buy could be a friendship if you look and say you if you have a spouse you went through this Mm. you went through like listen believe and buy into a relationship if you look at your best friend it was your best friend is not completely opposite of you right you don't look at it and go man i'm a carnivore we're eating meat and you're like and my best friend is vegetarian no you never see this mix up Right. Because you can't turn around. Best friends finish other people's sentences because they believe in the same way. Yeah. So, again, 
are we doing that? And most people don't do that. We don't bother to even learn from them. So how do I take an average person and make them exceptional is I have to get into their head. Mm. I have to go through, make sure they like me as a leader, make sure I listen to them. They're listening to me. I'm going to tell them universal truths, right? I will tell them things that resonate with them as true. So when I get to the stuff they're unsure of, my word becomes truth and we push them to the next level. They buy into it, right? I use humor yeah. is my is my trigger mechanism because when you go to train people, when you're a leader, you have a team of people. How do you win them over? If we all can laugh at the same thing, right? The ego gets checked. Yeah. Right. And that's what I'm fighting. And I tell everybody, go, I'll, I'll sit in rooms of people and I'll be like, man, you want me to move over? Because your ego is getting out of your chair and coming into mine. <laughs> right. How are you coming across the table, man? Let me push your head back on your side. Okay. <laughs> we can all laugh about it, but then they stop and go, yeah, that is kind of bad. Yeah. So oh, you're on mute. <laughs> you're, you've gone on mute. Yeah. And so go. I look at it and go, oh my goodness, guys, this is. Let's let's play this game. But humor checks the ego and ego. I always tell everybody, listen, when you when you get to the point of talking about I, 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 I in all of your scenarios, uh, ego is edging gross out of your deal. You're costing yourself money. Yeah. And if I take what I know and invest into somebody and this is what we're all afraid of, is that in order to get somebody right to become better than where they're at and get to the point where you're unrivaled is, you know, all of the plus, all of the minus. Yeah. And you know how to overcome an objection with something logical. Yeah. Right. I have to feed them with logic. Once they have it, they can deliver it with emotion. Yeah. They can deliver it with empathy. I don't want you to just get on the thing and be empathetic. If you don't know the scenario. Yeah. Right. If I tell you, you understand how difficult it is to hatch alligators at this time of year, right? And you're going to tell your salesperson, be empathetic, tell them you do, right? They're going to be like, oh, I, I, I'm going to logically say, I could imagine that's difficult, right? And now the customer goes, great, because I have no idea. I was just seeing if you're going to be one of those sales guys that's so cheesy, you buy into every scenario, right? <laughs> but but are you teaching them assumed rapport? Mm. Right. Most people don't do that. But somebody, somebody who's going to be unrivaled in a sales position assumes rapport. Yeah. I already assume we're friends. You'll yeah. check me if we're not. Mm. If I go too far, that's it. But I'm going to go for the laugh. I'm going to get the first laugh, right? Like up above my head. It's uh, the art of edutainment. How do you educate and entertain at the same yeah. time? Yeah. But yeah. it's it's not entertainment first, no. it's educate. That, ha that applies to sales. How do I educate you and entertain you enough that you can get to the same conclusion I am, which is you want to buy this product and service. So. And that's that brings in authenticity because, and particularly if there is self-deprecating humor, it's not mm -hmm. taking the piss out of the customer or not taking the piss out of the team. Um, it's self-deprecating. It means that, oh, this person's more believable. This person's authentic. This person doesn't take themselves right. too seriously. Maybe this person... I can build a trusting relationship with because they're more authentic. They're more transparent. Right. I tell everybody, if you can fake authenticity, you've got it made. But no, <laughs> <don't> <laughs> I mean, the hard part for me is the self-deprecating part because being perfect, 
right? He's very difficult to throw out. So I got to make some of them up, which makes me inauthentic. I get that. I get that. I I know you do. And that's why, that's why you've got Sal's gun over your, um, over your left shoulder there on on your number plate. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So if we, if we turn our attention now to say, okay, we've got like, listen, believe and buy. Yep. So, and I know that you, you do a lot of work in the automotive industry. You do a lot of work with chiropractors and dentists and so forth. And we talked earlier before we press record that I guess that a lot of the principles have equal applicability, irrespective of right. the industry. When we're talking about unleashing the sales genius in sales teams and individuals, and hopefully getting more of those uh, sales teams in the top third. So it becomes one third becomes like two thirds or nine-tenths or whatever the case might be. Mm -hmm. What are some key universal principles around sales that almost, I don't know, are they non-negotiable? What are some key things that um, we can grab hold of and continue to focus on? So how you talk face-to-face is not how you should talk over the phone. How you talk over the phone is not how you should type for your emails and your text messages. And that's what people go. I'm going to go say something that I've had many people argue with me, but I'm right. Um, When you look at it, right, we don't use emojis when we're selling. Yes. Right. I don't use the emoji. I'm I'm not, again, I tell people all the time, I'm not a 15-year-old girl that needs hard eyes next to whatever it is you're sending me. So I go, wow, I must love this. No, stop it. We're going to say, go out there and be professional. You can joke. You can laugh with them. You can do that. But the answer is, ultimately, I'm representing myself as a representative of this company, of this product, and is it going to fit your needs or not? Mm. And so if it does, the most obvious choice is you're going to buy from me. But we we tend to go more cheesy yeah. and say things that are not the self-deprecating. It's the actually deprecating it's you actually sabotaging the deal because you're choosing to go against what is the right way to do it but how i talk face to face the words that i can use right is easier to make a mistake and have people understand it Mm. okay and understand i'm making a mistake if i'm over the phone i tell people all the time i look just like brad pitt over the phone okay (laughs) because i can be whoever i want to be Okay. And do you know who I want to be over the phone? The person that prospect needs me to get to the next step in the sale. Yeah. Okay. And so I tell people, you need to be authentic. We all have the same personality types in us. We just choose to resonate in certain personality types. So if that's the case, can you access a part of your personality that's their main with yours that's redundant that you're not using. Can you access that? If you can, now I can relate with you better. So when you're dealing with people face-to-face and over the phone, okay, you have to address the fact that they use certain words, they Mm -hmm. speak at a certain speed, okay, and they also have different tonality and inflections in their voice. When you can do deliver that back to them, the like increases so much more. Which is the assume rapport component. Absolutely. And I can assume that we're already friends because I'm going to be reminding you of you. Yeah. Right? Again, electrical engineer, should I be this obnoxious on an interview? No. Okay. But again, I can match anybody who's on here. If if you were over here going, well, Joe, tell me 
what could happen if something happened. Then I have to come back over here and go, well, what you're going to be looking for at the end of this is going to be this. Okay. But again, you match who you're talking to. If yeah. the customer has to go, I'm sorry, what did you say? Yeah. Okay. You're talking too fast. Mm. You are way talking. You're speeding, right? And imagine this. If you're both in a car and they do 30 miles an hour, and I say people talk at either 30 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour, or 70 miles an hour. Okay. I'm a 70 mile an hour talker. So if I'm flying down the road at 70 miles an hour and this person's doing 30, right? There's one word asshole that you can hear as I go by, right? So that, that's all you hear. And both are yelling at each other, the same word to them, right? But again, when you look at that, are you going to have a communication gap? Yeah. And the customer's going to go, I'm sorry, what did you say? What did you say? And you're like, well, if I speed it up again, I can get off the call faster. Mm. You're like, no, 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 don't speed up on the speed up. Woo, this guy's oh, just, yeah. so they're, they're trying to grab that one word at a time as you say the same thing over and over and lap them, right? Instead of if you were to actually slow down and emulate what they're doing, mm. okay? So again, if I answer the, when I answer the telephone, when it comes in, I'm over the top radio DJ, right? I'm over the top. Cause I don't know who's on the other end of the phone. Yeah. Yeah. And I guarantee you when most people call to anything to say, they want to go buy and call a sales department. Yeah. Right. The person's on the phone going sales. This is Joe. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I want to give you my money. Woo. Jeez, you've obviously just been waiting for my call. Right, exactly. You are thrilled the phone rang again, right? Call your cell phone provider and see how miserable their customer support is. Oh. Okay, oh. right? Do you know that they ask you for your own cell phone number? And I'm like, you know, you guys provide caller ID for me. <laughs> Tell me how you don't know my number, right? But they make you punch it in in the beginning because it gives them an extra 10 to 15 seconds of on hold time that you don't count against them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then when you get to them and they're like, thank you for calling so-and-so wireless where you mean the world to me. Right. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, I believe you. I believe you. Right. If you want to know where all the good people are on the phone, tell me you want to cancel your service. Yeah, exactly. They transfer you to cancellations over there. They're all, they're going, we are going to be the best version of ourselves. Every time we pick up the phone, yeah. the person answers, there's harp music in the back as the angels are singing. Yeah. Right. And they're over there telling you the phone dropped no we don't even hear that complaint anymore you're like shut up okay but you feel better and you end up staying you okay do. but do. do you answer the phone like you're worthy of earning the biggest commission yeah right do you answer the phone at the energy level equal to the highest product you sell if you don't you don't deserve that product to be sold so answer it up top come back now that once they answer right so if I go, thanks for calling Joe speaking, I'm happy to help you. And the person goes, hi, Joe. I was, you know, on the website looking at this and that. I'm not going to go, well, I'm the guy to talk to. No, you don't do that. You turn around and go, okay, you were on the website. What product did you see? Yeah. I can always come down and match them. Yes. Right? And that's what people forget to do. Yes. Is to worry about the other person on the end of the phone. The other person. If somebody texts you. And says, I'm looking for a significant discount, mm. right? Why aren't you writing back the word significant discount? Okay. I'd be writing back if anybody can afford to provide you with a significant discount, it'd be me. Yeah. Right. Let's talk about what your needs are and mm. move forward. But again, we go, oh, I want a great deal. I always do fantastic deals. What? Right. Well, fantastic means something to me. I don't like the word 
you know, great. Yeah. I prefer awesome as my word. Why aren't you listening for their words, using it back? Yeah. Why aren't you trying to get to that point? And that's how you become so much better than the other people that you're competing against. That's how, that's the genius effect is we're going to find every piece we can and align it so that you become the winner more often than you don't. So that, and that, that builds into the likability, which is the first part, right? Because if people, if people resonate with you, they don't have to be just like you, but they have to be, um, I guess, identifying with you. Hey, we are similar. So maybe there's, there's a connection there. They're looking for the similarity, right? Think about yes. it. If if you hate someone, right? And don't think of me, Darren, right now. If you think about the person you hate, okay? If they told you the funniest joke you've ever heard, you're not laughing. Mm. You're going to sit there and look at them and still go, I hate you. I'm going to remember this for later and share it with my friends I do like. Mm. But I'm not laughing and giving you the satisfaction of saying, I got Joe to laugh even though he hates me. So again, that's what you have to be acknowledging to people. How do I get them in the like so much that yeah. they can listen and believe and feel comfortable buying from me? Nice. So that is, and as you were just talking about that, um, I'm sure there's people listening saying, yeah, that's 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 all well and good, but what about sales technique, Joe? And what those people tend to forget is, is actually not the sales technique. It is not the process. It is all the connection you build with somebody because if you build a great connection, you can have the worst sales process in the, in the world, but they're more likely to buy from you because they now resonate with you because there's a likability there. Yep. I will tell you that the average closing percentage in every industry across everywhere is you're going to see your average salespeople close about 20 to 25% of their leads. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to tell you that there's four personality types. What are the odds you're going to resonate with one of the four naturally? One in four. Okay. So when you tell me I'm a great closer, I'm this, I'm that. And I go, if you're hitting 25%, you are selling to the people that are like you. Yeah. Okay. You aren't adapting. You aren't changing, right? Most of the time, if you find someone who's just like you on the other end of a phone, sitting face to face or text message, email, you're already communicating their language. And they go, I didn't even plan on buying this. I was just looking for a demo. Right. I was just going through this and you're like, and they're like, oh, great. I'm like, all you did was sell to someone like you. Yeah. What happens if you were able to adapt your personality? Because since you have it, if you're able to adapt yourself to that actual prospect to be who they need you to be, to feel comfortable buying. Right. And I change my personality. I go more engineered hmm. with somebody because I can, which is yeah. opposite of where I normally sit. Then yeah. I go, oh, let me go in there and let me go just nerd it down, start playing with some numbers, going through stuff. I can do that, right? We all can do that and change our personality to do what we have to do in this situation. So that's all I'm saying is that if you do that and you can go, here's this personality and this person. Now, if you get two, what's your closing percentage potential? 50%. Right now you are screwing up three out of four and trying to get a pat on the back. Yeah. Stop it. Just stop it. Adaptability is key. Love yeah. it. Any other top of mind um, before we wrap in terms of, I think I think that's that's gold right there. And I think it's so easy to overlook from a lot of yeah. salespeople's perspective, but also sales leaders. Yeah. Um, because if you can just become more adaptable, and I often say to leaders in particular in sales, we need to be as leaders, the chameleon in the environment, right? So be able to adapt our style, not to become somebody who we're not, 
but have that behavioral flexibility that we can adjust our style ever so slightly to resonate a message that's going to connect with people. Right. Um, any other key um, principles you want to leave us with in terms of unleashing I'll, our I'll leave, you, leave you two things that I typically will tell everybody, okay? I tell everybody that sales is only a numbers game until you become educated. Yeah. Right? Because as soon as you educate yourself on this, it's no longer do more to get more. It's convert more based on of, of all your opportunities. Yeah. Okay. And I also don't believe sales is a relationship game. Yeah. I believe sales is a results game. What results can you get from the customer? I don't want to be friends with you and you pay me because you like me so much and I don't deliver anything. Right. That's not, that's not what we're looking for, but I'm going to build the relate. I don't have time to build relationships with everybody because the number one factor in relationships is time. Yeah. So if you go, well, I'm a relationship builder. Well, great. You have a really long sales cycle. Yeah. I, I want to talk about results. I want to talk about what could be the end result. Remember people don't want to drill. They want a hole. Yes. Okay. So if that's what the case is, are you talking about what I can get you? How many holes can we put in this for you so that you can get them all leaking money? Yeah. But looking at it again, I want you to understand the res the relationship comes from delivering consistent results. Right. Right. And that's how you get referrals. Yeah. If I only like you, I'm not referring you to anybody because that's my name. Yeah. I'm not going to go, you know who you need to change your company around? The guy who's done nothing for mine. That's the one you need. He, he, I, he buys nice coffees though, but it gives me good donuts. Oh yeah. Yeah. He walks in every week and drops off, you know, the, the good donuts, not just glazed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as we wrap, Joe, fantastic. Love, love this conversation. Um, everything you've talked about completely resonate with. And I think there's absolute gold there, whether you're a sales leader who is uh, new to the game or been a, been a sales leader for many, many years, but also sales people um, understand this, that sales equals results. And through the delivering the results, you'll build the relationship, um, which is, which is key. For people who'd like to connect with you, know a little bit more about yourself, but also Ingram Interactive, where's the best place for them to uh, connect with you and find out more? The best place to find everything Joe on the web is going to be thegeniuslinks.com. So thegeniuslinks.com. Yep. If you go there, Darren, for all of your exceptional sales leaders that are there, um, I'll go, I'll go highlight the, the secret part at the bottom. So if you go down, if you get there, go all the way to the very bottom, you'll see a lightly shaded out thing. It's normally blacked out. So nobody sees it, but we'll make it easy for everybody to find. And it's going to say secret stuff. Click on that. It'll take you to a hidden page on my website where you can get free presentations, free training, right? Free eBooks that will help you with your mindset and what you do. And so It'll all get you. It even has my personality testing for sales. Awesome. Brilliant. I'll put that in the show notes. Thank you so much. And um, before we leave, also, you are the um, host of the Sales Genius podcast. So that's on all reputable podcast platforms. Yes, and some irreputable ones too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, some of the shady ones picked it up too. Yeah. <laughs> So I'll make sure I'll put the um put the link to that as well so people can check you out. So mate, thank you so much. I know it's Friday afternoon in uh in California. It's probably beer o'clock for you. Yeah, we're getting up. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're about a half an hour away from it. So we're good. 
Yeah. Oh, I don't have front, to speed. I don't have to speed to the bar. Yeah. Uh, so Friday afternoon, it's sort of a not a not a three o'clock. It's more of a five thirty, six o'clock sort of. Right. It's five thirty. Yeah, yeah five thirty right now. So. <laughs> Who's leaving the office early? I don't know anybody in sales <laughs> in the office early. <laughs> Certainly not on a Friday. No, no. So, mate, absolutely love this conversation. So, um, so glad you came on. So, um, and we'll have to do this again. I reckon. I agree. Thank awesome. you, Darren. Appreciate you. Thanks, mate. You too. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.